Good to be with you this morning. Um, I'm excited really just to jump into God's Word and just see how He wants to speak to us this morning, and I hope you are as well. Um, if you weren't with us uh, last week, um, I just want to say thank you again to the Thailand Mission Team just for sharing their hearts, uh, just to sharing what God is just doing in and through them. Um, and we had an opportunity not only to hear that, but just to, uh, just to start... Uh, the study over the book of 1 Corinthians, and we're going to get there in just a moment. Uh, But Paul starts this book off, and he is writing to the church of Corinth. Uh, Maybe you weren't here uh, last week. Uh, I want to catch you up to speed just real quickly. Paul had an opportunity to start this church many years before uh, this letter had taken place. Uh, And this church had gotten to a place where some things were starting to go on and they weren't really sure how to navigate. They weren't really sure of how to uh, make some choices and make some decisions. So they they knew that Paul was a a very godly, wise man. So they thought, man, we're going to write to Paul and and kind of a plea of help. And, And I want you to understand, this is before the New Testament had been kind of brought together and collaborated. So... For us, we are so blessed that we can just go and open up God's Word and, and go to 1 Corinthians and just see, all right, this is, this is what we need to do, and this is how God works, and this is where we need to be obedient, and this is what we need to do and change. But this was before then, so they were, they were writing this letter to the Apostle Paul, and whom they knew very well, they supported the ministry, and he was in another town, and, and his heart started breaking because of what he was seeing and what he was hearing. And so Paul writes this book on a response to the letter that he received for the Corinthians and this church here. And some of the situations they were going on as they were disagreeing over some theology. There was some immorality going on within the church. They were being disobedient and all of this dissension was going on and not really a place, honestly, that you want to be. And so they were kind of somewhat crying out to help, and so Paul writes this as a response. And then if you look there in in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I love this, because Paul usually uh, starts his books, he starts his letters, and, and he makes this statement, he says, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus by the will of God. And I love that he says that. He just, he's reminding the people of the calling that God has put on their lives. You see, many times as we do life and as we do church and as we, as we do all of these things, many times it's easy for us to forget the call that God has put on our life. And it's that call that opened our eyes to the truth of, of who He is and allows us to understand that, yes, we are sinners. Yes, we all have sinned and been broken. That relationship's been broken and a need for Jesus in our lives is don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget where you've been and what's taking place in your life because what happens is is when we start forgetting where we've been and we start forgetting of who we are in Christ Jesus, the things around us start to sway us and we start to become very, very selfish. And so Paul reminds them, just remember who called you. And and I love this verse because you could probably put your name in there. Brandon called to be according to the purpose. What does that look like for you? It's going to be different for each and every one of us, wherever God might have us, whatever God has called us to. Paul goes on and he says in verse 7 of of chapter 1, he says, 
You're not lacking anything. He goes, everything has been given to you. You don't lack any spiritual gifts. And he he goes on in verse 8, he goes, He will also keep you firm to the end, speaking of Jesus, so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9 says, God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, the goal of God working in our life is that He calls us into a fellowship, into a relationship with Jesus Christ. There is freedom in being defined in relation to God. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. I love that. That we were marked with a seal. That God will never leave us nor forsake us. There's freedom of being defined in relation to God. Paul goes on, and we're going to pick the story up here in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, verse 14. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn with us this morning. We're going to read through and take just a moment to kind of unpack here this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting in verse 14. Here we go. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. He's talking about those who are in Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants, in Christ, I want to stop there just for a moment because I want, I want to remind you that Paul is speaking to the church. He's speaking to those who, who, who know the Word of God, who understand what it looks like to, to follow after them. And, and, he, and he's speaking these words and he, and he wants them to know that there's some things going on here. And he makes some, some distinctions here, and which we'll break down here in just a moment, but there are those who do not have the Spirit and they don't have an understanding to follow after God. They don't have an understanding of the things that they are doing are wrong. They don't have an understanding that the choices that they are making is bringing destruction on your life. But he makes a distinction. He says, church, you know better. He goes, these things are going on in your life and the Spirit of God, you don't lack anything. Let me remind you where God has called you. Where along the way have you got off the path? Maybe that's where you are this morning. 
Maybe you've been running strong in your walk with God and maybe the past couple of months or years you've, you've strayed away, so to speak. I'm so thankful. So thankful you're here this morning. He goes on in verse 2 of chapter 3. Paul says, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You see, Paul brings up the idea of the church, the reason that some of these problems were going on, the reason they were struggling, the reason there was decisiveness going on amongst the body there was because there was a lack of spiritual maturity. There was a lack of spiritual maturity. And so Paul addresses this situation. And God's Word, he categorizes people in in three different groups. And we're going to look at those uh, just real quickly. If you're taking notes, the first group that the Word of God categorizes The natural person. We'll explain that in just a minute. The second type of person is the spiritual person. And then the third type of person is the carnal person. Now the first one we're going to look at is is the natural person. Look with me back in in verse 14 of chapter 2. It says, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are, they are discerned only through the Spirit. So, so what it's saying here is the natural person is, is depraved. All right, it's, It says that the word depraved is, is morally corrupt or, or wicked, so to speak. If Psalms 58.3 says this, Even from birth the wicked go astray. From the womb, they are wayward, spreading lies. And this aligns with the thought, the understanding that we are all separated from God because of sin in our lives. We were all sinners, but Christ, we know the verse, Christ died for Christ made a way. So this is aligning with the understanding that we, without Christ, we're living just in the natural I love the story in John chapter 8. Jesus is, is having a conversation with the masses and, and His disciples were there and the Sadducees and the Pharisees and all of the crowds were there listening in. And this is what He says to them. It seems almost harsh, all right? It says, If God were your Father, you would love Me. For I have come here from God. I have not come on My own. God sent Me. Why is My language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father. It says the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. That seems a little offensive. Anybody else like, whoa, The gospel message will be offensive. The gospel message will be offensive. 
Here's how I know that. Because most of the time we're scared to get into conversations about spiritual things. Amen? I mean, we'll talk about the Olympics, the curlers, curlers, the curl. anyway, never, you know what I'm talking about. We'll get into conversations about anything. But, but when it comes to talking about Jesus, well, I mean, let's, let's throw, we cower in those conversations. Why? Because we know that that conversation can be offensive. And here's the reason it's offensive. Because when we have an understanding that Jesus and His holiness, when we come before the truth of the gospel message and understand who we are and our, and our filth and our sin and all of these things, it becomes offensive in a sense. There is a battle waging around us and in our lives, maybe even this morning in your life. The gospel message is offensive. Many times, um, for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, here's the message that we have for those who don't have an understanding many times. Somehow along the way, we get to the point that we might be better than these people because we have an understanding and they don't have an understanding and we use phrases, you know, you know you're a thinner or whatever it might be or you know what I mean, like, like you're, you're going to hell anyway. And, and, and we and become very offensive rather than our hearts breaking for their lostness. And it's almost like us versus them many times. Rather than being in a desperate prayer mode, God, I pray that you would, you would break their hearts. God, I pray that you would give them eyes to see. I pray that you would call them as you have called me. May they see the truth of the gospel message that has saved me. Rather than like, man, there's no hope for you, but I'm sorry, man, you're, you're a sinner. And this is what's taking place in the church. They've forgotten where they came from. And Paul is doing nothing more than reminding them what they already knew, but somehow along the way they've gotten off the path and they started living in the ways of the world as Christ followers. The natural person is depraved. They're also directed. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 says, You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live, When you follow the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. You see, your life and my life can only be filled by one of two things. You can either be full of yourself, or you can be full of the Holy Spirit. I started thinking about this, and I think a a good conversation piece, maybe an evangelistic piece for many of us, um, we could could print these t-shirts, all right? Now take this for what you want, all right? And it could say, I am so full of it, all right, just in big, bold letters, all right? I am so full of it, all right? Now, if you're wearing that shirt, I want to know what you're full of, okay? So an easy conversation to get talking about Jesus, okay? So take that as you will or whatever it might be. Some of you might run with that. 
That did not go over well. The natural person, they are depraved, they are directed, and they live in darkness. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. There's been something that... Um, God uh, somewhat convicted me of uh, this week. Um, if you didn't know, we live in a crazy world. Bring you up to speed a little bit. We do. If you watch the news or TV stations or look at your Facebook post or your Twitter post or whatever it looks like for you, I wonder if you and I have gotten to the point of our lives where we're fighting a battle that's not the battle that should be fought. I I, I wonder if we are consumed by things, good things, let's be honest, Things where we have a major opinion on, some more than others. I wonder if we maybe have missed the mark just a little bit. You see, for those who are not in Christ Jesus have no understanding. This is what God's Word says. They, they, they don't have an understanding. And maybe you live with that person. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your coworker, and they don't have an understanding that the choices that they are making brings on destruction. The things that they continue to do brings they don't they don't have an understanding of that. God's word is very clear that says that God must call them to give them an understanding to open their eyes to what is taking place for them to get to a point where they they understand that yes they are a sinner and yes they need Jesus in their life but here's what happens many times is we are not kind we are not patient whatsoever with people around us it's like we'll give them one chance and then our patience are gone amen they didn't listen the first time I wonder why our expectations are so high of those who are not in Christ. You see, maybe their response should break our hearts rather than start a fight. It reminds me when Jesus was um, on the cross, he was breathing his last breath. This, is, this was his last words. He says, Father, please forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. I mean, that, that, was, that was the cry of Jesus, God. God, forgive them, because they do not know what they are doing. May, I, may that be our hearts, that we would be broken for the lostness around us. But what happens many times is, is, is we get our buttons pushed, and we all have buttons, all right? I've got my buttons. 
And when they are pushed, somehow, someway, the Spirit of God is like He runs out the door and here is vicious me and I want to go on the attack. Rather than saying, God, I want you to filter Every single thing in my life, may the Spirit of God filter my thoughts, may it filter my speech, may it filter my post, so that everything that I do will build up and not tear down. You see, that's what's happening here in the church. I'm sure if, they, if Facebook was alive at this time, I mean, yeah. I mean, do you need blood? Or whatever the situation is. The natural person is depraved, directed, lives in darkness, lives with hopelessness, and actually says that they are dead. While they live and breathe, the natural person is in a perpetual state of death with no purpose and no peace in their life. The second category that the Scripture talks about is the spiritual person. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15, it says, The person with the Spirit makes judgment about all things. But such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct Him? But we have the mind of Christ. You see, there's a vast difference between the natural person and the spiritual person. The spiritual person has been born twice. They are living, growing, vibrant, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And as a result, they have the God-given capacity to live differently because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The spiritual person is able to comprehend the spiritual things of God and it tells, or it should tell, in the way that they live their lives. The spiritual person lives by the Spirit. They learn from the Spirit. They are liberated by the Spirit. And they are literally filled with the Spirit of God. You see, God controls those who are filled by His Spirit, their minds, their hearts, their hands, their feet, their mouths, their flesh. Everything is yielded to the control of the Spirit of the Lord. Nothing is held back. From the Lord. The third category is the carnal person, those who have been saved by the Spirit of God but are living in their fleshly desires. Chapter 3, verse 1 says, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly. Mere infants in Christ. You see, this is the person that has a a love relationship with Jesus Christ, but their lives don't really have much evidence. The infamous Billy Graham, who we most of us know, passed away this past week. We're going to be watching a video here in just a second to end the service. He said he was always concerned for the church. His heart was was almost more broken for the church than it was for the world. And and his concern for the church was that the church is, is filled with carnal Christian people 
who understand the message of Jesus Christ and who at some point in their lives had given their lives to Jesus but continue to live a childlike faith. And so Paul is is urging the church here. He's basically saying, I want you to grow up in the things of God. I want you to mature in the ways of God so that you can navigate, so that you can understand the will of God, so that you can have the power and the strength to make the decisions, to understand the things that you are fighting for have no meaning of eternity whatsoever. The carnal person is a person who lives a defeated life. They can't walk spiritually because they are constantly losing the battle to the flesh. They can't war spiritually because they aren't able to to dress themselves with the whole armor of God. And and the one things and the few things they do dress themselves with, they don't understand how to use them when the battle comes. And they can't work spiritually. This type of person is not much used to the kingdom of God, unfortunately. The carnal Christian doesn't win souls, support the church with their presence or their presence, doesn't teach and never becomes actively involved. They are always riding around on the efforts of others. The carnal person is defeated. They are also dependent 1 Corinthians 2, I'm sorry, 3 verse 2, it says, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready for it. Let me ask you a question. Where would you say that you were? Where would you put yourself in one of these three categories? My prayer is that you put yourself as someone who is just living just to live and has no purpose and meaning. That My prayer is that God would pursue you. My prayer is that God would, would give you an understanding of who He is. And then maybe this morning you're saying, Man, I'm doing well. I feel like I am, I am pursuing God. My, my prayer is that we would keep growing, that we would keep running the race that God has set before us. But, but my concern as well is, is, the, is the majority of us would find ourselves as the carnal person. We're, we're constantly battling the world with, with what it looks like to follow after God and we keep stumbling and falling and all of these things. And it's like we haven't found victory over these things. And, and just as Paul reminds the church, he says, you have all that you need. You have all that you need. Why are you living as people of the world when you are children of God? The carnal person is defeated, dependent, and lastly, they are divisive. Verse 3, it says, You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and, and quarreling among you, you are not worldly. Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. 
So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. I love this. Paul Paul says, yeah, I might be the person that had the opportunity to share the good news to you. And Apollos was was another man who who was investing in the people, making disciples. And he's like, man, I'm so thankful for the work that Apollos got to be a part of, of of watering the seed that I'm so graciously got to plant it because it's not about me or Apollos. It has nothing to do with either one of us. It's God who does the work. Do not lose sight of what God has called you to. And as we close, I just want to encourage you Do not lose sight of what God has called you to. We're going to watch a video. Um, There was actually uh, two men that have had an effect on my life. Um, One, obviously, I think everyone understands who Billy Graham is and just his calling, just his obedience in that calling for 99 years. There's another man who many of you probably never heard his name. He grew up in Burns Flat. His name was Shane Hall. Shane pastored a church in Oklahoma City. He was just buried here in Elk City just this past Tuesday. Not many people knew Shane. He lost the, the battle of cancer after a long fight. I started thinking, what, 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 made, what made these men so special? And I, and I wrote down here as I was just thinking and just praying over this that they, they lived out their God-given call. And they constantly kept this near and dear to their hearts. They preached Christ crucified, and God honored that in their lives. You see, these were just two normal people. We read about Paul and all of these heroes of the faith. And here's here's the thing. At one point in their life, they too were separated from Christ. And because of God's pursuit and God's love for them, in that moment God changed their life and they devoted themselves to the things of God. And it was their long-term faithfulness and obedience to the things of God that I believe that God blessed in their lives and that God used that to draw people to Himself. So as we close, I just want you just to hear just a very simple message. Go ahead. For many years, I've had the privilege of being Mr. Graham's close friend and personal pastor. And so one can imagine the wonderful conversations that we've had together over these years. It's been such a joy to be blessed by him and to learn from him and to hear the things that God has placed in his heart. I've been praying that we might have a spiritual awakening, but I think that becomes 
possible only as individuals surrender their lives afresh and anew to Christ and live the Christian life wherever you are. First, we do everything we can to follow in the steps of Jesus. We're to live a life in which we love one another, we help one another, we live according to what Jesus lived. The Holy Spirit is the one that helps us live that new lifestyle, which is one of love, gentleness, and patience, and all of these things that are the fruit of the Spirit. We must remember that we communicate the gospel by our lives as well as our lips. We live before a watching world, a world that is waiting to see if what we say is lived out in our lives. We must be living in the power of the Spirit. We must be men and women who are pure vessels for God's message. Secondly, you read His Word every day, the Bible. I know it's very difficult, but you need to start somewhere. And I'd suggest you start with the Gospel of Luke in the New Testament. And in the Old Testament, start with the very first verse. In the beginning, God. And study those passages. Make the Bible your source and your authority. Quote it frequently. Let its message be your message. Study it. Meditate upon it. Memorize it. Trust its promises. The Word of God itself has power. And the third thing, go to your knees and pray until you and God have become intimate friends. I cannot describe to you the joy and the peace that He gives to you as a result of that daily routine that you have in prayer. Is there a lack of power in your life? Perhaps you have neglected the preparation of your life. We've neglected prayer. We've neglected God's Word and the feeding of our own souls. Whatever it is, confess it, forsake it, repent of it, and then walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and gain victory over it. And may God today Lift our vision and may the power of the gospel break upon our world with fresh force as we are obedient to Christ's call to repent and believe the gospel. Repent and believe the gospel. Hallelujah. I heard a couple of stories uh, this week, one even this morning. You know, as you look at people that we admire, we look up to, and sometimes even wish that we were them, all the while knowing that God wants to do something beautiful in your life and my life. The story of Billy Graham when he was just a, a young man, they went on a field trip with his class, and I, I don't even remember where he was exactly. It was obviously, it was a man of God who... They were in his room. They were kind of looking around the house, and there was 
two worn spots by this person's bed. And as they kind of shared the testimony and the story of what was so evident, what was so different about this, how were they able to stay so faithful in their call to God? And it was, there was two worn spots because they were knee spots where they had spent so much time on their face before God in prayer. Story goes on, and the class kind of kept going, and they were all loading the vans, kind of making the counts, and there was one young man not there. <laughs> and so the teacher goes back in and is looking for little, little Billy and found Billy on his knees in those same spots, just crying out to God. God, we want to see you do so much more. We want to see a revival. And I believe that's where it starts. And I believe I neglect that so many times in my life. I want to see God do awesome and mighty things, but I neglect the simple things that I believe God blesses. Is that obedience and the small things. And as we close, just one more story that someone just shared with me this morning that they had heard Billy Graham say just a couple of years ago that when you hear the news of me dying, don't believe it. Because I have not died. My life has just begun. You see, for those who are in Christ Jesus, to be absent from the body is to be in the presence with our Heavenly Father. And that, that, that is to live. Paul says it this way, to die is gain. How in the world can we have that kind of hope? It's just the simple message of Jesus that many times I overlook because I'm chasing so many other things. Let's pray together. Father, we, uh, we come before you. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for men and women whose lives we can see and see that they have finished the race. God, I desire that for each and every person in this room, God. That our lives would reflect you in every situation of our lives, God. Father God, I pray that you would just... um, Lord, that you would challenge us, Lord. I pray that you would convict us, Father. Convict me. Lord, I pray as we go our separate ways in just a second, God, as we go and as we go and be the church. God, I pray, Lord, that we would even be more than just the church. God, I pray that we would be a representation of you. I pray that we would be a light in darkness. God, I pray, Lord, that you would allow us to respond with patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness, the evidence of you working in and through our lives, God. God, I pray that we would be able to filter the things in our lives and that everything that we say and that we do, God, would honor you. So, Father God, again, we thank you for this this morning. Thank you for who you are and all God's people said, Amen.